Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Novel. When I visited Danbury, I asked AJ Galante to show me a place he spent a lot of his teenage years. Can you describe where we're walking? Yeah, this is basically the locker room area. The Danbury Trashers former locker room. Yeah, you might want to check no one's getting changed before I go in there. Yeah, let me. <laughs> Could be very Let's awkward. Yeah, cool. A different team share this locker room today, and the stench of wet dog and sweat smells foul to me. But it hits AJ with a wave of nostalgia. Oh, yeah. It smells like good wet dog in here. That's disgusting. Yeah, this is a fresh batch of sweat in here. He's transported back to 2004, to the days of juggling academic assignments with running a hockey team. This was it. This was where all the guys were. This was the main locker room area here. You still see the blue right here. And we used to have a trasher carpet in the middle, and my dad built the By the time the trashers were up and playing in October 2004, he'd graduated high school and taken up a place at a nearby college. He'd spend the weekdays studying business management and then head back to Danbury on the weekends for his, well, unusual side hustle, managing a professional sports team. And it was in this stinky locker room that AJ built a relationship with his players. The reality was I can't come as an authority figure to them because they're never going to take me serious. I'm younger than all these guys, so I try to gain their respect in other ways. In a little office next to the locker room, AJ would get down to his presidential duties, working out the next moves for his team, who to recruit, who to trade... It wasn't easy to keep his mind on the job with a bunch of rowdy hockey players next door. In a weird way, I was like everyone's little brother. They'd be coming in, messing with me. Usually this was the time I'd try to get some homework done before the games, but I'd always end up playing video games with them or something. AJ walks me out of the locker room, into the corridor. Doesn't look like much. Blue nylon carpet, grey walls. 20 minutes before the guys would go out to the rink... 
to play. We'd walk this carpet and we'd stand right here. Sometimes Jimmy would lead the pregame ritual, unusual for a team owner. My dad would talk to the team before each game, you know, a little pep talk or whatever. Guys would clap after and you'd go down these steps. The trashers would walk along this corridor and down a stairway to a pair of heavy metal doors onto the icy battlefield. And when it was over, win or lose, they'd retreat, tired and sweaty, back to the locker room to get some honest feedback from their bosses. If we won the game, it was a great atmosphere. Happy players, happy owners. The sweet smell of sweat and victory filled the air. That was the mood after the Trasher's successful opening night. But very soon, the smell turned sour. It wasn't long before the Trashers started losing. In their second ever game, they lost to the Almira Jackals, 5-2. Before October was over, they'd lost another three times. They have lost both of their games against Eastern Division teams. Danbury will look to step up their efforts in that department. You can't win every game, right? But the Galantes do not like to lose, especially Jimmy. He's fuming. When my dad was mad, there's a lot of ways it could have went wrong for you, you know, depending. As soon as the trashers leave the ice to get changed, he marches out of his owner's box and down to the team locker room. And uh, he's ripping the team. He's ripping all oh, you guys playing like girls out there, you know, blah, 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 blah. Jimmy grabs a bag of tennis balls off the locker room floor. I'm looking at him like, okay, this is weird. What the hell is he doing? He goes, for all you guys out there that don't have a set of balls, here they are. Jimmy rips open the bag. And he throws them. I'll never forget it because I wanted to almost laugh. But you have to bite your tongue so hard to the point where you're bleeding. Because I'm like, if he sees me laugh, he's going to slap me in the face. The players are shocked. But not AJ. He's had 18 years to learn that all-important lesson. You do not fuck with Jimmy Galante. If we weren't performing, it was hell to pay for sure. Jimmy won't tolerate any more losses. AJ needs help, and he knows who to turn to. Did I know a lot of tricks of the trade? Yeah. Did I bring my trick bag with me? Yeah. Effort wins over talent every night. Yep. Former coach and all-round hockey bad boy, T-Bone Pompicello. He'd already helped the Galantes put the team together. Now he's on hand to help give the Trashers an edge, testing the limits of the law to win. It wasn't to hurt anybody. It was to get the advantage, but it's more of a mind game at that level. Even though it's professional, you know, you still can mind fuck. And that's what we did every night. I'm Claire Crofton. From the teams at Novel and iHeartRadio, this is the Fighty Pups. Game four, Dirty Tricks. Thomas T-Bone Pompicello had helped AJ harness his bad boy style of hockey. Then he helped the Trashers sign some of their toughest players, like Brad Wingfield. So when the Trashers kicked off their debut season, 
and started losing, it's no surprise that AJ's cigar-smoking, rule-breaking sensei was on hand to help jumpstart their season. T-Bone joins the trash's ranks. His official title? Equipment manager. His duties include, well, at first, he's a bit evasive about that. We took simple things and turned it into advantages. We took people's hearts. And I'm just avoiding your question. I don't know if you see that. (laughs) I can see that, yeah. But it doesn't take long to get T-Bone talking. In fact, it seems like he can't wait to tell me about the very important role he played. Of course I knew a lot of different tricks. One was, you know, washing the jerseys in Crisco, and the other team couldn't get a handle on it to hold on to fight. If you're not familiar with Crisco, it's not laundry detergent, it's oil. And when you're trying to batter someone in the middle of a hockey game, the last thing you want is an oiled-up rival. It was like fighting a guy with no shirt on. T-Bone's dark arts are not restricted to the rink. The man is committed. The night before one home game, he drives through a snowstorm to the outskirts of town, where he books himself into a hotel. There was a host hotel that took care of the visiting teams, and they were scheduled to arrive at 12.31 o'clock, and I was already checked into the hotel. T-Bone gets settled in for the night. He's up early the next morning, 4.30 a.m. to be precise. He sneaks out of his room and creeps through the hotel corridor towards the fire alarm. T-Bone dashes back into his room, which happens to have an excellent view over the hotel parking lot. I'm looking out the window through the crack and there it is, the whole other team is standing out there in their, you know, their pajamas and their shorts and stuff. The fire department was there and the front desk was involved with it. The next day, the Trashers have a much easier game against their sleep-deprived opposition. There they were. The next morning at the rink, they were like, yo, we were firing one off. We're like, no way. Wow. They're like, yeah, they kept us in the parking lot for an hour. You know, sleep is important to hockey players and rest. As the 2004 season continues, T-Bone's tactics seem to be working. Wilson, but Emory Trashers, their recent unbeaten streak, they are 4-0-1 in their last five games. In November, the Trashers hit a winning streak, bulldozing the Adirondack Frostbite before destroying the New York-based team Elmira and making the Richmond River Dogs howl after destroying them 4-2. Emory Trashers have won three straight, they are. But T-Bone and AJ are just getting warmed up with their fishy tactics. Literally. Allegedly, I like to use that word allegedly, AJ and I went to the fish market. (laughs) Allegedly, AJ's dressed in a sweatsuit, T-Bone in a trasher's team jacket. These two don't exactly look like they're planning on filleting a sea bass anytime soon. We're just giggling the whole time. He was like my kid brother, you know, punching each other, trying to figure out what fish, how big. The fishmonger looks at these two guys in their sports clothes. Not his usual clientele. And what they're asking for is a little unusual too. The worst smelling fish and what goes bad the fastest. After they've paid for their fish, T-Bone and AJ make their way over to the arena and park up outside. In the car, T-Bone lights up one of his signature cigars and puffs away until they see the last person lock up and leave. By this point, the carrier bags of fish 
in the boot of T-Bone's car have developed quite the stench. Under the cover of darkness, the pair creep towards the arena. T-Bone produces a key. Cigar smoke trails behind them as they make their way to the opposing team's locker room. AJ turns the heat up and takes hold of the stinking bags. T-Bone gives him a leg up so he can reach the ceiling. The vent comes loose, and AJ does what he's come here to do. Shoving that shit into the vents, and the thing was falling on my face. Classic. It was just classic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Danbury Ice Arena. I'm Phil Gibaleo, and this is the first of two, a weekend series against the visiting Flint General. A few days after T-Bone and AJ's little adventure to the fish market, the Flint Generals roll into town. Rumour has it their players head into the ice arena, and as they get to the locker room, the smell of rancid fish overwhelms them. Players double over and begin to retch. It can't have been easy getting kitted up whilst trying to keep down the vomit, but somehow the generals get out on the ice. No doubt the trashers have the edge over their green-faced rivals. Allegedly. Yep, sorry T-Bone, allegedly green-faced rivals. But as the hockey sensei himself puts it... The little things matter and that's how you win. Maybe he's on to something. Danbury has dominated Flint. The Trashers beat the Generals 2-1. to one. And then the following night, they do it all over again. This time, coming out with a 3-2 victory. A fine margin in both games. Maybe the fish stench gave them the edge. Did you ever worry that, like, you were cheating? No. Cheating is like on a test. That was guerrilla warfare at its highest. I know in my heart... It was done to win. And I said, fuck it, I'm just going to do what we have to do to win and have fun doing it. Yeah. Whatever means necessary. If you're committed, you'll nail your balls to the wall to win. Just two months into their first season, the Trashers are earning themselves a reputation. Other teams in the UHL are beginning to understand that when AJ and Jimmy described their team as the bad boys of hockey, it wasn't just a marketing ploy. These guys are for real. Games in Danbury are wild. Wow! Now we've got some action going on. Everyone just pushing and shoving. Big uppercuts here at the Danbury Ice Arena. Rowdiest fans in pro hockey. I said to myself, okay, welcome to the jungle. <laughs> David Feichadil grew up playing hockey in the Czech Republic. But by November 2004, he was getting settled into the US hockey scene. He played for the Adirondack Frostbite. And it was in those games against the Trashers that David fully experienced the meaning of the word goon. Basically, they call the guys who, the job for them is really only go on the ice and fight. And how many did the Trashers have initially? In the beginning, I would say full squad. (laughs) A full squad of goons. I would say so. Along with everyone else who ever played against the Trashers, David was on the receiving end of some serious goonery. They were not interested in playing hockey. Let's put it this way. They wanted to put a show on the ice, so they were going absolutely nuts. It was not about hockey. It was about trying to scare us. Guys got cheap shots. Guys got soccer punched. And it was the same every game. Nothing pretty, nothing fair. 
Absolutely not. If there is a need for a fight, there is absolutely no problem. But is there a need for a fight every shift? I don't think so. You felt like, okay, I'm not sure that's what I sign up for and that's what I want to do. But this is hockey. Fighting is part of the game. Players on the rival teams have no intention of backing down when things get tough. Many of the guys took it as a challenge. I saw guys working out extra. I saw guys getting bigger, stronger, myself included. They thought we're going to be intimidated. We said, okay, if that's what we're going to face, then that's what we're going to face. Time now for a look at the United Hockey League scoreboard. The game of- By the end of November 2004, a quarter of the way through their first season, the Trashers fought their way to the top of the toughest division in the league, with a two-point lead over David's team, the Adirondack Frostbite. The Danbury Trashers, of course, having a stellar season, first place in the East. The Trashers have bagged a seven-game winning streak. They're feeling invincible. But Danbury really looking for a test. A test. And they're about to get one. Because by now, rival players have caught on to the Trashers' style and worked out how to combat it. We knew what's coming and uh, we were ready. Game after game of pushing their opponents to the limits with dirty tricks and brutal play, the opposition are about to fight fire with fire. And the Trashers are about to discover their own breaking point. More after the break. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure... It kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and the last star on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man, Marie's a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Treasures fans, your holiday list won't be complete this year without a trip to the Treasures Team Shop. From sweatshirts to clocks, tickets, or even a stuffed scrappy, the Danbury Treasures Team Shop has something for everyone this holiday season. So whether that fan on your list has been naughty or nice, stop by the Team Shop at the Danbury Ice Arena to pick up that perfect Treasures gift. And happy holidays from the Danbury Treasures. Danbury Treasures! It's December 1st, 2004, and the holiday season is here. The festive cheer in Danbury has a fresh flavour this year. The city is celebrating its new hockey team. Since their debut in October, the Trashers have bought night after night of entertainment downtown. Finally, there's something to see in Danbury. Fights galore, suspensions, penalty minutes. Nights on the ice arena are action-packed and the surrounding bars and restaurants are pumping. The team hasn't just been putting on a good show. The Trashers have been on a winning streak. But tonight's game is vital. Those losses earlier in the season mean they need to keep on winning if they stand a chance of bagging the Colonial Cup. And good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Danbury Ice Arena. This is Danbury Trashers Hockey. Phil Jubilea wishing you guys a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays. Tonight, the Trashers are up against a way more experienced team, the Kalamazoo Wings. And the Kalamazoo Wings about to face off here momentarily. As fans take their seats, the atmosphere is tense. But when the referee drops the puck, the Trashers don't exactly seem worried. I mean, what's experience when you're the self-proclaimed bad boys of hockey, right? Brad Wingfield, the team's star fighter, is straight in on the action, attacking the Kalamazoo players. Business as usual. A penalty coming up by Brad Wingfield, hooking. He will go to the box in the game's first penalty. And Brad is more than just a fighter. There's Gretzky up the near wing, two on one, over the line, from the high slot, passing in front, one-timer, they star! Brad Wingfield takes the feed from Brent Gretzky in Danbury with a commanding three-goal lead. Things couldn't be going better. But then... 
I just heard kind of like a general groan from the crowd and then just like brutal screaming. Two players have collided on the ice. Nothing unusual there. But even from way up in his commentary booth, commentator Phil Jubileo can sense that something is different this time. And I saw that Brad Wingfield was down on the ice. Wingfield is pulled down and he is a bit slow getting up and he is in some serious pain right now. I never heard just guttural moans of that nature in my life. Like you shot an animal and, you know, it's just moaning because it's in such pain. It's a primal scream. The play has stopped. In the crowd, eyes are wide, mouths open. No one can believe what they're seeing. Brad on his back, kind of rolling around with his leg kind of up in the air. The crowd was just hushed, silent. You could hear a pin drop. Fans want to know why their favorite player is writhing around in pain. All Phil can do is fill the silence. Wakefield is some serious pain right now in the slot on the Kalamazoo end. Wondering if he didn't have his leg stepped on by a skate, that might have been it. A medic rushes onto the ice. And the doctor is coming on for Danbury. That's never a good sign. But right now it is an issue of just trying to stabilize Brad Wingfield, who is writhing in severe agony. Wingfield is clutching on to Danbury trainer for dear life, it seems. A rough spot for the Trashers to be in. Both teams are back at their respective benches. All Phil can do is state the obvious. This is not very good for the Danbury Trashers. From his elevated position, it's not clear to Phil just how bad this is. But to the players down on the ice, it's obvious that Brad's injury is catastrophic. It was like the loudest crack. It was like echoing through the arena. Trasher Jeff State was skating past when Brad went down. I'll never forget the look on his face of just like sheer terror. He was like crying out for help. He made it to like his hands and knees and then he was just looking up like his mouth was wide open and he just his like eyes were like super wide and he was just yelling out I don't think he knew what was going on it was ugly Jeff saw Brad flying backwards over the skate of rival player Josh Elzinger he says Josh pulled one of the most heinous moves in the book of band hockey moves something called a slew foot add that to your hockey glossary You stick one of your legs behind their leg and then you take your arm and push their chest backwards and you push your leg forwards at the same time. So it kind of contorts the body backwards. It takes you off balance and like throws you backwards. Josh Elzinger didn't respond to my requests for an interview, so I don't know what his intentions were. Did he mean to send Brad Wingfield crashing onto the ice? Maybe it was just an accident. Or maybe Josh had had enough of the trash's antics and he snapped. Either way, I'm pretty sure Josh didn't anticipate what would happen next. From his owner's box, Jimmy Galante has been looking on as this whole drama unravels. Jimmy was pretty upset. He was yelling down at the officials, trying to, like, confront the linesman, probably for missing it, missing the call. From high up on his commentator's platform... Phil can see Jimmy on his feet, yelling towards the ice. 
His face twisted with rage as he watched his Brad get carried away by the medics. Stretcher coming up, and they're going to take Winkfield off that way. It does not appear that he is going to be skating off under his own power here. As they bring the board, they will slide Alzinger is sent to the box. But for Jimmy, the punishment doesn't come close to justice. He's furious. And now, his anger is not just focused on Alzinger, but the game officials. And one of them, a linesman by the name of Jim Harper, beckons Jimmy down to the ice. He wants to fight it out. More after the break. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jean, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. 
Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trash's tough guy, Brad Wingfield, is doped up on morphine. He's lying on the ambulance bed, racing through Danbury at lightning speed. You go in and out of shock, right? Like your foot's supposed to be pointing up like that and it's down. You can feel the bones scraping against each other or your insides or whatever. Brad doesn't know it yet, but his leg is broken in three places. It's extremely painful having your legs shattered like that. This might well be a career-ending injury. You're like, yeah, this could be it. This could definitely be it. Could be all over here. As I drive towards the hospital at top speed, not even the morphine can keep the agony at bay. It's painful always hitting every bump because your bones just rub together. I can remember yelling at the ambulance driver that if he hit another fucking pothole, I was going to dummy him. The ambulance arrives at Danbury Hospital. Brad is loaded onto a trolley. He's rushed into the ER, passing a group of hospital staff huddled around a radio. The trashers are back on the ice and back on the airwaves. Welcome back to the Danbury Ice Arena with you on Trashers As the distant sounds of his team float through the hospital, Brad slips in and out of morphine-induced unconsciousness with a smile on his face. Back on the ice, Brad's teammate, Ruman Nadur, a.k.a. the Nigerian Nightmare, has already begun the revenge campaign. He was unhinged. And I think understandably so, Brad was his buddy. You know, they were close on the team. So Ruman was going after anyone that he could. Nadur going over toward the bench and he is attacking a guy on the bench. Nadur just chased after him and he is webbing there at the Danbury Ice Arena. And it's not just Ruman who's fighting for Brad's honor. All the trashers are hungry for vengeance. The team came out in the next period and it was a completely different game. Oh, we're going to have a line brawl here. It was just fight after fight. Alvin and Stan are going at it. Complete gong show. Got a big pileup along the near wing. The linesmen are coming in to separate. In a bizarre and violent game, the Trashers are handed a whopping 18 penalties with four big fights, five goals and one big win for the team. The Nigerian nightmare is suspended for 20 games. Good night and Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays from the Danbury Trashers. Good night. The game has wrapped up, but the drama's not over. Jimmy's raging. He thinks the game officials could have avoided the alleged slewfoot if they'd called the foul play earlier. Jimmy wanted the game to stop right after Brad was taken off the ice. He's been yelling at the linesman and the ref for most of the game. And the linesman, Jim Harper, has just about had enough of it. What happens next? Well, that's not exactly clear. Some kind of confrontation between Harper and Jimmy is taking place. The men are surrounded by a crowd of officials. 
Commentator Phil Jubileo has the best view of the rink from his booth, but even he's having trouble making out what's happening down there. All I really see is this kind of like massive humanity around the penalty box doors. There was a confrontation going on. But because there were so many people and you can't really hear what's being said, you don't know the exact course of events. It becomes a bit clearer when the local cops join this massive humanity. And as people start to break away from the huddle, Phil can make out Jimmy Galante, now in handcuffs, being led away from the scene. He's escorted out of the arena and into a waiting police car. At the local precinct, he's charged for punching Jim Harper in the mouth. Because a punch-up between an owner and a linesman? That isn't the kind of violence that hockey allows. In fact, that's third-degree assault. Meaning ex-con Jimmy Galante is looking at yet more prison time. For now, he spends the night in a jail cell. The following day, over at the hospital, Brad's laid up in bed. His legs in plaster, now filled with metal rods and pins. He's about to doze off when some visitors knock at the door. Yeah, Jimmy and a couple of his buddies. Jimmy's been released from his cell on the condition that he makes a court appearance next week. But he's not alone. Two enormous guys follow Jimmy into the room, and they haven't come empty-handed. They brought me a present in there. Flowers? Balloons? A get-well-soon card? No. According to Brad, this was a very personal gift. It was Josh Elzinga's address. <laughs> and he said, oh, what do we want to do about this? I was like, oh boy. Oh boy, indeed. What exactly is Jimmy offering here? What would a nice guy like Brad possibly want with the address of the man who maimed him? And why have these two enormous gentlemen accompanied Jimmy to the hospital? Best gift I ever had offered to me in the hospital. Brad politely declines. It was far from my mind. I was still doped up and laying in a hospital bed. I was fixed on getting back to health. And so Jimmy and his two burly buddies leave Brad to the more pressing issue of his recovery. Jimmy's got his own pressing issues to deal with. Not only is the trash's fan favourite out of action, but having punched an official in the face, Jimmy could soon be out of action too. He's got to find a way to fix things. He gets on the phone to one of his most trusted employees, a guy called Ciro Viento. Um, I need you to do me a favor today. You, do you have Brussel's number on you? In my phone, yep. All right. Always. Ciro is Jimmy's operation manager at the trash company. I need you to call Richard. Yes, sir. Richard, as in UHL commissioner, Richard Brussel. I want you to tell Richard. Jimmy asked me to call you, but Jimmy didn't ask me to call you. Jimmy wants to be in a position to protect you that you never had this conversation with Jimmy. Do you follow me? And he'll say yes. Jimmy has some off-the-record instructions. He wants Brassell to use his influence to help make him make this whole assault issue disappear. As the commissioner of the UHL, Brassell is basically the boss of Jimmy's alleged assault victim, linesman Jim Harper. Could Brassell get Harper to drop the charges? Might the linesman be persuaded into contacting the courts and amending his statement about the assault? I mean, alleged assault. Tell him that it is fucking imperative that we get that letter. Harper's going to write to Brussels saying, I called the Connecticut 
prosecutor, and I told him that I wanted to drop the case. I told him that after, um, you know, cooling off and thinking about it for a few days, that I was just as much at fault. The letter has to be convincing. Luckily, Jimmy knows exactly what it should say. When the incident took place, there was pushing and shoving and people in the, in the penalty box. And I can't be sure now whether Mr. Galanti hit me or didn't hit me or was somebody else. They can't say that the guy just made it up and lied just to have me arrested. Now the guy cooled off and he doesn't remember. Right. He doesn't know. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Zero gets off the call with Jimmy. And what happens next? Well, a few days later, ESPN reports that linesman Jim Harper no longer wants to press charges. To quote ESPN, the linesman changed his mind. Jimmy's no longer looking at jail time for the alleged assault. He's won this specific battle, but of course, he has no idea that his calls and the calls of his associates are being recorded. In blissful ignorance, by the end of the first week of December, Jimmy's back to work, thinking about how to get the trashers on a winning streak now that Brad Wingfield's injured. It's not going to be easy, but hey, it's the perfect challenge for a team of underdogs. And AJ's got a plan that might just help his team bite back. A hockey hero has unexpectedly become available for hire. He might be interested Oh my God, that would be, you know, crazy. You know, one of those magical things that could happen. I was like, hold on a second. Like, this is your team? Oh, what the hell? Like, uh, how do you have a kid running a team here? A hero who's about to come down to earth with a bump. What do you mean he wants to pay me cash? Like, he wants to give you a duffel bag of cash. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he referred to uh, Jimmy as, you know, they've got uh, Tony Soprano running their team. That's next time on The Fighty Pucks. The Fighty Pucks is produced by Novel for iHeartRadio. For more from Novel, visit novel.audio. The series is hosted by me, Claire Crofton, and produced by me, Joe Wheeler, and Amalia Sortland. The executive producer is David Waters. Story editing from Max O'Brien, Mithily Rao, and Austin Mitchell. Our field producer is Babette Thomas. Our fact-checker is Dania Suleiman. Our hockey sensitivity reader is Nikhil Desai. Production management from Cherie Houston and Charlotte Wolfe. Sound design, mixing and scoring by Nicholas Alexander. Additional engineering by Daniel Kempson. Music supervision by Nicholas Alexander and David Waters. Original music composed by Eric Phillips. Willard Foxton is Creative Director of Development. Special thanks to Sean Glynn, Katrina Novell, David Vassaman, Sean Tytone, and Beth Ann Macaluso. Novel. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.